The Motivational Moments podcast is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Prime Information Security, online at www.primeinfosec.com, and with the support of our many subscribers. Thank you. Today's episode of Motivational Moments features audio taken from my Conversations video series at www.motivationalsteps.com slash conversations. Hello everyone, it's Linda Ocko Jenna here with another Conversations with Linda. Today I'm delighted to chat with Helen Fishburne, who is the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association, Waterloo Wellington. So um, results recently came out for the CMHA Waterloo Wellington's Mentally Healthy Community Survey, which is very interesting. The organisation says the uh, scores weren't as high as they'd hoped and Wellington County was the lowest by a good margin. So that's why I've invited Helen on today so we can discuss this in you know a bit more detail. So good morning, Helen. Thanks for your time. I've seen you on some other shows talking about this, but my aim is to raise awareness about this topic. So um I believe this was the first survey that you conducted. Yeah. Hi, Linda. Thanks so much for inviting me to join you for the conversation. We are uh, excited, actually, to share the survey results. It's, um, I will say this was not a deep dive, a big research uh, analysis, but more of a pulse check of our community. Uh, We had 530 folks across uh, Waterloo Region and Guelph Wellington, done through the Angus Reid Forum. So uh, it had really good validity. Um, And yeah, we just really wanted to check in with our community. It's been a couple of really tough years. So how are you doing? What matters to you? And what do you need to stay mentally healthy? And, And as you say, very interesting results. All those questions, I think that, you know, everybody needs an answer to. And I'm so, you know, thankful that you did reach out to those people. So um, I guess my first question is, what were the results of the survey? You know, I mean, I said they were interesting, but they weren't all bad results, were they? Some were, you know, better than others. Yeah, I mean, what we did was we asked people to rate the things that are most important to them in their mental wellness. So if you think about being your best self in terms of that mental health and feeling really good and really supported and really connected, what are the things that matter? And so there were a top five things, Linda, that emerged as part of that. Um, And they included, first and foremost, affordable housing uh, and access to affordable housing. Second, uh, access to affordable and healthy food. Third was uh, public and private safety. Fourth was access to green spaces in your community. And then fifth was access to mental health services. So we gave 10 factors uh, and those were the top five that people said were most important to them as they strive towards being their kind of most healthy and well selves. Mm. I think I agree with those being the top ones. I worry a lot, even though I'm nice and comfortable in my home. I worry about the homelessness and I, you know, the stress that this causes. I worry about the economic situation because people are losing their homes because of the recession. Um, I think green space is is very important because, you know, I 
I uh, suffered from anxiety the last year of COVID. And for me, walking and going outside, even in my own garden, so I'm lucky to have a garden, but not everybody's got that, Helen. So I think that's very important, you know, the feedback that you got. It's It was interesting, though, because those were really just foundational things, right? Like nothing earth-shattering about those things, but so foundational to what people build their wellness on. There were two other results, Linda, that I think are also worth uh, noting for you. The first, uh, the other one is that seven out of 10 people who responded to this survey said that they had, in the past two years, they had sought help either for themselves or a, a direct and immediate member of their family. Seven out of 10 is probably the biggest number that we've seen in terms of people asking and engaging in help seeking, which is awesome. So that actually was a good finding because it means that people recognize when they're struggling, they see it, and they're actually reaching out to say, you know, I, I need to take care of my wellness. So that was actually really validating and encouraging. And then the last one uh, that I wanted to highlight for you was that 92% of our survey respondents said that they want their municipal or local government to lean into this problem and help find solutions. Uh, I think you likely know that healthcare, which includes mental health and addictions, is largely funded by the province. So we often get this kind of hot potato feeling when, you know, governments pass the problem to other levels of government, right? So our municipal government says, oh, that, you know, kind of that's not our problem. It's a provincial problem. And the provincial problem says, well, the feds really fund us. So that's a federal problem. And what happens is the potato just gets passed around and nobody owns it. Uh, and then this problem continues. Um, we know that this problem through the pandemic has grown exponentially. It's spilled over everywhere onto our streets, into our schools, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces. It's everywhere. It's going to take all three levels of government to fix this problem and be creative and innovative, Linda. So that was also a really important finding that came from the survey. Everybody in government, it doesn't matter which political party, federal, provincial, everybody should work together on this for the simple reason we have to try and prevent as much as possible some of the things that can occur if people can't get help, if people can't get help and they continue to struggle because I know, I don't know the figures, Helen, but I know suicide is so prevalent and it's a quiet kind of, you know, topic. So I'm very annoyed. I'll put this I'll put this, you know, on my show. I'm very annoyed with all members of any political party who don't realise that this is about prevention. It's about helping Canadians and people who live in Canada, people, you know, who need the help. And basically, I think they should give more funding and not keep passing the potato. As you say, it's cruel. It is. And again, it doesn't solve anything, right? It, it You know, the potato is hot right now. This is a hot issue for our community in all levels of government. And I include myself in that, Linda, as a leader of a mental health organization, but just as part of our health system overall, as leaders and as elected officials, we need to hold that potato. We need to hold the heat together and figure out those solutions. We can't just pass it because as you've said so so well, like this is a life and death issue. It is, it is, Helen. And also I was very lucky. I was very lucky to get the help I needed. I didn't come to you guys, um, but basically I, I got a psychotherapist. I've got insurance. Not everybody has that, Helen. Nobody can afford to go that way. 
did anybody mention going back to the workplace? Was that one of the survey questions? I mean, it's okay if it wasn't, but I see a lot of stress from people who don't want to go back into the workplace. It wasn't a specific question, uh, but you're absolutely right, Linda, and we've seen that trend definitely uh, be a really kind of divisive issue for workplaces. Um, and again, there is balance in everything. Uh, but we we know that a healthy workplace, just like a healthy community, has folks that feel connected, that are supporting each other in the work, no matter what you do. You could work at an auto body shop. You could work at a mental health agency. You could work at a vet clinic. It doesn't matter. It's about working as a team about that human connection and support for each other. And, you know, those water cooler conversations where you're just checking in, you know, how are you doing? How was your weekend? How are your kids? Uh, how are you managing life, right? Life is different for all of us. You can't underestimate the value of those connections and that support. And so it's a balance, you know, we, and we encourage workplaces to really embrace that, um, that challenge because, you know, inviting your workers back into the office and, and really having them connected and feel supported uh, by the workplace and by each other is so important. And when you have somebody that's 100% working from home or, or hybrid, you don't, like, first of all, you can't have eyes on to those folks. And second of all, there's, it just deepens the sense of isolation and disconnection, which uh, just, you know, obviously was very fueled by the pandemic as well. So it's that balance. Try to get folks, even if they're not willing to come in five days, try to get them at least to come in for two or three days. So you can, you can build that, that connection and build that team. I agree, Helen, that's so important. So I, I was reading through the survey from what I got from it, the results do signify a lack of mental health care in certain areas. And I don't know about you guys, I was surprised, um, you know, at the findings. Were you surprised? No, um, not at all. And of course, I'm not surprised just because I, I live and breathe this work. <laughs> um, I, you know, as, as you said, there, uh, each we asked each respondent to rate their community that they live in on a ranking of 10 uh, with the question, how mentally healthy is your community, right? So if we just go through those ratings and maybe I'll just unpack them for you a little bit. So the highest rating was the city of Waterloo, which is a 6.8 out of 10, followed by the city of Guelph, 6.7. The regions of uh, which are part of Waterloo, um, Woolwich and Wellesley and also North Dumfries, 6.3 out of 10, City of Kitchener, 5.9, City of Cambridge, 5.8, and the County of Wellington, 5.0 out of, out of 10. So I will tell you um, that uh, the, none of those scores are awesome. Not, not any of them, even the highest one. We don't, when we, when we rate our mental wellness and our mental health, we're not aspiring to a 6.8, right? We're expire, aspiring to an, a nine or a high eight. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot of room to move in each of those areas. And then obviously more room to move in the rural areas. And, and that's also not a surprise, Linda. We know that the connection uh, that we want to establish and and have people feel supported is a lot harder to achieve in a rural area. When you look at Wellington County, it's a vast geography 
like a massive amount of geography. Um, it's uh, there are not an, uh, as many services and supports available in Wellington County. Transportation to and from those services is a barrier. There's a just a general sense of isolation when you live in rural communities, which has been further exasperated by the pandemic. And um, and we know that people feel very discouraged and feel very alone with these problems. I mean, we're having a hard time in urban settings trying to connect with people and have them connect and, and do that reach out and do that reach in. It's even harder in the rural areas. So none of that is a surprise. It's more validation of what we know. And again, it's that pulse check, right? We think we have a pretty good sense of what's happening. We see our service volumes. We know what's happening in hospitals and police and paramedics. But to actually have our residents tell us in very direct terms, it just validates and and also allows us to develop a strategy specific for the rural communities, which is different than urban areas. That, that, that's that's fantastic, Helen. And obviously, this will take time, step by step by step. It takes time, but I know you guys will do it. So I guess there must have been some positive outcomes. You know, um, what positive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> results from the survey? Yeah, well, definitely the, the number I gave you earlier, 7 out of 10 reaching out for formal mental health and addiction services and supports, that's the highest number we've ever seen. Awesome. That also shows we're making progress on stigma um, because help seeking, the number one barrier to help seeking is stigma. So we've got a long ways to go still, but we are definitely making progress. I think the other thing that came up in the survey, which was also very validating, was uh, our the respondents of the survey saw how much work was done by our community, whether you're a municipal level, provincial level, federal level, working in a hospital, or just being a great next door neighbor, they saw the amount of effort that was made through the pandemic in really unprecedented times and unprecedented circumstances to come together, to basically shift our world on a dime, uh, you know, have everybody working and sheltering at home, not having kids at school, workplaces having to accommodate, like everything changed literally overnight for us. And as a community, we found our way through that. We created new ways of connecting. Um, we created uh, safety nets for each other. Again, both informally as next door neighbors checking in on each other and formally as the healthcare system literally shifted on a dime. So there was a lot of recognition by our respondents that, hey, we did this. And then the pandemic was over, per se. You know, we shifted into a new phase of things, at least. So our respondents in the survey are really saying to us, you know, we did it then. Why can't we do it now? Right. And there was a real challenge. And I think we saw that particularly uh, to the municipal uh, officials to say, you know, this is a local issue. So they really want them to step into it. So a lot of recognition about our community and how it works, but also a lot of encouragement and really an expectation that that continues. That's absolutely fantastic, Helen. I didn't know that. So I know you've presented your your results um, to local municipalities, government people, um, who actually 
um, ha- is now working with you, if you can answer that? Who who did you present them to, and are they willing to move ahead with you and partner and and be a little bit more, you know, open about you know the things that we need versus the things that somebody else should look after? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a great question. It's uh, now what, right? Now what do we do with these results to actually motivate people to change and to continue? to build the kind of system we need. So um, I've been to the region of Waterloo Council to present these findings. I'm scheduled to be at the Guelph City Council uh, next Tuesday evening, uh, October 17th. And also I'm presenting at Wellington County Council as well. Uh, I've shared all the results with uh, our local Ontario health teams, uh, one of which is Guelph Wellington, and then there's one in KW, and then one in Cambridge, because uh, again, they inform our health uh, directions as well and strategic priorities. I'll tell you what I'm really hoping for. Um, there is a lot of work happening right now in the housing and homelessness space. You've seen that that's a federal priority, a provincial priority, and certainly both the County of Wellington and the City of Guelph um, and our, our municipalities in Waterloo Region are all really embracing the need for more housing to combat homelessness and, um, you know, address some of the underlying mental health and addiction issues that are part of that. There are recommendations on the table in all of our municipalities relating to housing, relating to the supports that need to go with housing. So what we're really asking our municipalities to do is to not pass the hot potato, to actually address those recommendations, to lean into them, to think differently, and to behave and make decisions that are different than what we've done historically. It is not a time for our municipal governments to say, oh, that's a provincial problem. That's not the case anymore. This is all of our problems. And as long as we continue to pass the buck, we're going to continue to see people living on the streets. Uh, We have to embrace this and have our municipalities and our provincial counterparts work, uh, you know, take the walls down and work together. And there are specific recommendations on the table for them to specifically act and and make those tangible recommendations uh, come alive. Wow. So we think alike, Helen, like most people who are supporting what we want. Um, we, th- we want people to work together. We want collaboration. We want, you know, the community to be aware of what's going on so they can fight the good fight. And I mean that in the best possible way. I don't mean, you know, be argumentative and shout at people. That doesn't get us anywhere. But everybody needs help. So why don't we all work together and all the you know, governments, they really work together. In in an ideal world, it would happen after we've done this show because you've put it so eloquently, but we both know it's going to take time. My other question, if, if it's okay to ask you this, um, do you think enough people know about the services that are offered? Is there enough awareness out there? I see the awareness. It's a little bit like... Um, I promote a lot of awareness for breast cancer because obviously, you know, I've been through that experience. But the people who know, know, and the people who think it'll never happen to them don't know because they don't read the awareness information. Do you guys have this problem, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's always there as a problem, Linda, and, and, you know, you've, you've courageously shared your experience both with breast cancer and with anxiety, right? That helps people 
know and and understand that there are services and supports. And sometimes people don't really know what's there until they need to know, right? Uh, and then they try and find what works for them. And sometimes it's a bit confusing for folks because there are multiple options and they're not quite sure who to reach out to. Um, people, Some people have EAP programs, employee assistance programs at work. Some people don't. Some people have a great and comfortable relationship with their family doctor. Some people don't. Some people, you know, are, are, are scared to reach out to the formal system. And, you know, maybe they just need to start with a coffee with their best friend, right? So I always say in answer to this question, just start somewhere. Don't sit alone with those feelings of despair and discouragement and darkness. Because if you're sitting alone with it, I can guarantee it will only get darker. Start where you're comfortable, right? If it's a cup of coffee with your best friend or your next door neighbor or your your closest family member, start there. And that's the first conversation. And then that person can help you get to the next step. We have many, many family members, for example, who call us at Here 24-7, which is the local mental health and addictions uh, coordinated access and, and crisis line. We have many people calling us because the person that they're concerned about isn't ready to reach out yet. But we hear from family members, so we coach those family members. We support them to be able to build that bridge to the person that's got the identified issue. Um, and then we have other people that are just very open. Yeah, I have a, a significant alcohol problem, and I'm calling because I'm done with it, and I need to stop. And they're immediately wanting to get connected to treatment, right? So we get a whole range of things. But I will say, Linda, very simply, start with where you're most comfortable and feel the most safe and then build from there. That's really good advice. Do you by any chance um, have connections with local, you know, corporate um, workplaces and do they have anything like an ambassador there who's got the information ready for them? I mean, they obviously work at the organisation, but if they've been through this kind of mental health issue challenge, whatever we want to call it, you know, do they have something like that in the work, either it's an ambassador, a mentor or something like that? Because I find that might be missing in the workplace and also the schools. Is this going on in the schools now? you know, that someone can go to them and know they feel safe because that would help creating the awareness about your programs and other programs, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Um, and, and definitely uh, there's a lot of help available in schools. There are mental health um, counsellors, there's social workers, there's child and youth workers, there's guidance counsellors, there's just great teachers, right, who are mentors and, and see, they have eyes on kids every day and they see kids uh, in a different way uh, than often their own parents do. So it's really, really super helpful to have so many. We can't, uh, I will say the formal system can't be everywhere. There's too much need. So we really rely on our informal support system, the amazing hockey coaches, dance instructors, Cub Scout leaders, um, next door neighbors, the person in the cubicle next to you, right? This is our safety net because we all are, you know, we want to believe that everyone is a caring, um, empathetic person, right? So if you build on that, there's that safety net that can be established. And then with the help of the informal system, we can bridge someone to the formal system. Oh, Helen, 
You are an angel, you really are. Everybody who works in this environment, um, it's amazing. So um, you did have 92% um, all respondents, you know, it, it accounted for 92%, which I think is, is a good number. Um, so I think we're leaving it to the local governments to prioritise this support for the well-being, you know, of uh, residents. And I think, you know, the help that you're giving your organisations and the fact that you've done this survey, I think it will go a long way, Helen. I just think it's going to take time, which we both know, but I think it's a really good step in the right direction. Yeah. It's, uh, you're absolutely right. It's going to take time, but they also need to recognize there's urgency here too as well. So as I mentioned earlier, there's a ton of recommendations on the table at all of our local municipalities. The province has uh, unloaded some funding and changed some rules to make housing a lot easier and quicker. This is the time for us, Linda. This is the time. So yes, it doesn't happen overnight, but we also can't dawdle either, right? So we have to respond to the urgent needs that are happening out there on the streets. So thank you so much for the conversation and thank you for your support uh, as you continue to support from the chair that you're sitting in, right? Like it takes a village. So thanks for being part of that village. Oh, Helen, thank you, because I know you're a very, very busy lady. And uh, if I can do anything in the future, let me know, and I will be spreading the word definitely. Thank you again. Take care. Thank you.